Hi, Five Oaks family. This is week eight of our prayer training series. And next week, we wrap up the series with a sermon on how to pray scripture. And today, we're focusing on prayer as a weapon of war. Jesus in the Bible teaches that we're in a pitched spiritual battle. It's real, and it's intense. On the one hand, there's a battle that we have with temptation. And temptations come from all different directions and from all different kinds of sources, some even within ourselves. On the other hand, there is Satan, a devil, that, that we have to contend with. And he's a personal, evil being. So Jesus says, pray that your heavenly Father not lead you into temptation, but deliver you from the evil one. It's right there in the most basic prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray. There's this incident recorded in the Gospels where the disciples are trying to cast out a demon and they fail. And Jesus has to intervene. He has to come and he does it for them. And in Mark's retelling, the disciples, when they're in private with him, they ask him, why did we fail? And Jesus explains, well, that kind of demon can only come out by prayer. It's kind of a head scratcher. It's hard to imagine them trying to cast out a demon without praying. But that's exactly what they were trying to do. Evidently, they were speaking to the demon. They were probably commanding the demon. They were maybe doing it in the name of Jesus. Certainly, they were doing it in the authority that Jesus had already given them as disciples. But it wasn't enough. He said it required prayer. So today, we're going to talk about three reasons that we need to pray about temptation and deliverance from the devil. And before we begin, let's, let's pray and then let's hear God in the reading of Scripture. Today's prayer of illumination is based on 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Please pray the underlying portions with me. Heavenly Father, your word tells us again and again of your mercy, your goodness, and your faithfulness to us. We have faith that you are a God who keeps his promises. By the power of your Holy Spirit, direct our hearts. Lead us on the path you have for us. Strengthen us and protect as we follow you. Remind us that you will equip and empower us to do the work that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 6, 11 through 14. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Matthew 6, 9-13 Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us on temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're going to look at uh, three reasons why we need to pray about temptation and deliverance. And all these reasons should be self-evident, but we need to talk about it. Uh, we need to spend a little bit of time looking at this. So the first reason is that we're vulnerable. 
we're vulnerable to temptations of all kinds. And our greatest vulnerabilities are usually connected to our greatest strengths. I'll explain why in a moment. But let me first tell you a story that illustrates this. When I was in seminary, pastor and author Gordon MacDonald uh, came and spoke on marriage, uh, a special session that was for the married students. And he actually did this every year. And the seminary was in New England, and MacDonald pastored one of the only evangelical megachurches in the whole New England region. He and his wife had a great relationship, and they team taught us. And I think most of us who were seminarians at the time, I know for Lois and me, we dreamed that together someday we would be out there uh, working as, as a couple to help people in all kinds of ways, including their marriages. A few years after that, McDonald wrote a book that made him uh, more uh, kind of a more recognizable name. Uh, it was a book called Ordering Your Private World. It's a great book. Shortly after he um, wrote that book, he took a position as president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is a great organization that has many arms, but uh, one of its major arms is uh, ministry within universities. So it was during his tenure at InterVarsity that he remembers having a conversation where this person asked him a question. He said, if Satan were to blow you out of the water, how do you think he would do it? Now, that's a pretty personal question. It was a question about what are his greatest vulnerabilities. And McDonald answered him. He said, I suppose he could do it in all sorts of ways. But I know one way he couldn't get me. He'd never get me in the area of my personal relationships. I'm strong there. It's too important to me. It was not long after that that McDonald began a several-month affair with a woman, not his wife. Reflecting on how that had happened later, he said, a chain of seemingly innocent choices became destructive, and it was my fault. Choice by choice by choice, each easier to make, each becoming gradually darker. And then my world broke in the very area that I had predicted I was safe. We're vulnerable to temptations of all kinds, and sometimes our greatest vulnerabilities are connected to our greatest strengths precisely because we lower our guard and we underestimate our capacity to sin. We also underestimate the strength of the enemy. Jesus uh, has us pray about temptation because we're vulnerable. We should heed his direction. We also need to pray about temptation and deliverance because we're weak. Jesus calls us to approach the Father as children approach their loving Father when they need help. I don't know if you've noticed, but this petition in the Lord's Prayer is, is even hard to understand. If you come at it, especially from a perspective that we usually come at things, um, here's, here's what I mean. Lead me not into temptation. What does that mean? Logically, theologically. Well, James tells us that God never tempts anyone. James 1.13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. He's not saying, Father, don't tempt me. He's saying, lead me not into tempting situations. 
And there is a distinction, but also a complication. Because two chapters earlier in Matthew, we read this, Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God did not tempt him. But did you notice what it said? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led into temptation. Now, that's a complication, I think. Jesus seems to be telling us to ask our Father in heaven not to do to us what he did to him. And he's asking us to ask the Father not to do to us something that he seems to do the, to others. After all, Job could argue that God led him into temptation. Maybe not technically, but in every other way. He led him into temptation when he gave Satan authority to test the foundation of his faith. And the temptation was that he would curse God and die. The temptation to curse God and die. Logically, it just feels awkward to say that Jesus would ask us to pray that God not do to us what he did to him and to others like Job. I could be wrong, but I, I think that the explanation of this is all pretty simple. This is the prayer of a child to a father. Our father is to be, uh, our, prayer, our faith is to be like that of a child. This is a prayer of humility and meekness and a recognition of our inner weakness, a childlike weakness. That's why I'm preaching this sermon this week from the kids' uh, ministry wing at our building. It's a childlike prayer, and our wise and sovereign Heavenly Father frequently answers this prayer with a wise no. After all, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're still waiting for the yes of his return. But we ask anyway because that's the heart of God's children, for that day to come in fullness and to come quickly. The upshot of this prayer is exactly what you and I already know. When we pray these words, what we're really asking is for God to help us overcome temptation. And the very next phrase underscores that. Okay, so we've seen that uh, we pray about the temp temptations and deliverance because we're vulnerable and weak. But we also pray about it because we're in a war with an evil, malevolent, and personal power. I want you to picture this with me. Matthew 4, Jesus is led into temptation and is confronted by an evil, malevolent, and personal power that's called the devil. In Matthew 6, Jesus says to pray that God not lead us into temptation. But the very next request is a request for deliverance. Deliverance from what? Deliverance from the evil one, an evil, malevolent, and personal power. In other words, he's telling us to pray that we not have to face temptation, but when we do, and we will, we need deliverance because we're weak and vulnerable. Again, I could be wrong, but I think this is very simple to understand until we complicate it. In this reading, is actually what almost everyone uh, has understood this to mean. It's really uh, the only thing that makes any sense. But this isn't just something that we need to understand, and it's not something that we just need to pray. We need to own it. 
Jesus seeks to get his followers to own it by repeatedly pointing out that Satan isn't someone that we should underestimate. Now, before we look at what Jesus says, I, I want you to hear me clearly on this. Satan is powerful, but Jesus is more powerful. 1 John 4.4 4 is something that, uh, that we ought to commit to memory. It says, the one who is in you, that's Christ, is greater than the one who is in the world, that's Satan. You never have to be afraid of Satan if you are in the sight of Christ and Christ, and if, if Christ is living in you. But you by yourself, without Jesus, will be no match for him. Jesus calls Satan a murderer in John chapter 8, verse 44. Here's what he says. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus calls him the devil and he calls him Satan. Those words mean something. Devil means slanderer. Satan means accuser. He's good at both of those things. And both of those things can do some real damage. And look at the power and the purpose that Jesus ascribes to the devil in the parable of the sower. So in Luke chapter 8, verse 5, Jesus says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Explaining the image later to his disciples, he says this, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. He's ascribing there a lot of power to the devil. And we have the story that I referenced earlier about a demon that couldn't be cast out simply by proclaiming the authority of Jesus. It required prayer. Jesus wants us to own the idea that we need deliverance and to own the idea that we are unable to fight the evil one without the Father's help, without the Father's power, and without prayer. We need to pray regularly and frequently for God to help us in temptation and in the battle with the devil. We need it because we are vulnerable. We need it because we are weak. We need it because we're in a pitched battle with an evil enemy of God and with his people. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper today, I want you to think about what the writer of Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews 2.14, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus on the cross broke the power of the evil one. His body was broken for you. So I invite you to eat the bread of communion, remembering that. And take the cup now and drink it. Remember his blood was shed for you. Parents, if you have children, uh, in your household who are not yet taking communion, please pray the blessing on the screen, um, the next screen over them. God bless you.